1: Welcome to the second tier podcast I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the final day of this season to the final day of seasons past it's Justin Peach.
0: Good day to you Ryan.
1: Justin how are you?
0: I'm very good thank you I'm in a different room I've got a coffee next to me I'm I'm very well and obviously after a very exciting day yesterday as well so yeah couldn't be happier.
1: You you say exciting as as far (laughs) as final days go it wasn't the most exhilarating was it?
0: The first 45 minutes was quite exciting. Just seeing everything go against those teams that are outside of the playoffs, I could have possibly gone against them. It was like, okay, maybe the second half might (laughs) cause a little bit of drama. It didn't. It was still quite interesting and exciting, though.
1: Well, it's uh, about two months ago, right? It looked like we could have something to talk about in the automatic promotion battle, the playoff Hmm. battle, the relegation battle. And in the end, it was just the playoff battle. And. It just ended up being exactly as we thought it would go. It's like if you watch a movie and it ends exactly how you expect it to end. It's a bit <laughs> underwhelming, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, to, yeah. Too fair. You, you do have a point, but at the same time, it was it just seeing the likes of Preston do something that we haven't expected them to do for a while. i.e. Like put quite a, a good decent amount of goals past Borough, for example, and then Sheffield United putting four past Fulham. You know, these things were interesting. Um, I, you know, yeah, I'm not actually,
1: saying it wasn't interesting, it was just a bit underwhelming compared to previous last days where we had Derby stay up on the last day of last season. We had the okay, mentalness yeah. of the playoff battle where Swansea overtook Forest <laughs> the season before but this one, it wasn't was just like meh,
0: yeah, it wasn't hair pulling out sort of drama that we, that we thrive upon that we need to inject within our veins to, to keep us going.
1: No, of course not. Well, hopefully the playoffs is a lot more interesting. But welcome to the number one championship-specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Yes, we are going to talk about that very underwhelming final day of the season (laughs) in the championship. We'll talk about that in part one of the show. In part two, we'll have a look ahead to the playoffs, talk about who we think is the favourites and etc, etc, as we come towards my favourite part of the season. We'll also talk about some of the news from the past few days, and then we'll finish off with... Did he or did he? Right at the end. Justin's favourite game. <laughs> so, Justin, let's uh, talk about the final day of the season, shall we? So, Sheffield United and Luton both secured their playoff places with wins against Fulham and Reading, respectively. We'll start off with the Blades and their 4 0 victory. It looked as if this Fulham team had a few too many Sambukas during the week, Justin.
0: <laughs> I think that there might have been a case of that, but also just how quickly Sheffield United came out, how aggressive they were pressing. Um, yeah, okay. Fulham weren't quite at it, and, and fair enough. They've they've probably had a, a very busy, interesting week. Um, but at the same time, Sheffield United, I think, made them look worse than they probably are, just because, they, as I say, how aggressive they were, how organised and disciplined as well. Um, everything about that Sheffield United performance, uh, you know, everything went as it should as it should do. And, yeah, I think we expect a little bit of drama, but Sheffield United made sure that wasn't going to be the case.
1: No, the, the most important thing is give Sheffield United some much needed momentum mm-hmm. heading into the playoffs, doesn't it? Because they've been pretty bang average for the past c- couple of months, <laughs> putting in yeah. some um, really mediocre performances and really looking as if they missed Billy Sharp. But here they were much better. Um, they were better against QPR as well. And then they're actually great against Fulham and that's without Billy Sharp as well. So you've got the likes of Ndai, Morgan Gibbs, White really clicking together at the right time. And, That makes them a lot stronger heading into the playoffs as well, doesn't it? Because before that, I was Mm -hmm. looking at Sheffield United thinking they're probably the team I fancied the least. But now these last two games have given me a bit more food for thought. But we'll talk more about the Mm -hmm. playoffs chances for them in the uh, second half of the show, Justin. Let's go to Luton because Harry Cornick scored the only goal in their 1-0 victory against Reading. It came after he did the old Dion Dublin trick, sneaking up behind the goalkeeper after he's put the ball down and scoring. Justin, it was very... (laughs) very funny
0: this happens once every 10 years they don't come around very often these types of goals and they're absolutely spectacular as 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 much as football becomes very modern there's VAR there's goal line technology there's something very old school and classic about about this sort of goal um yeah it was it was hilarious um and i, I imagine orion island's not made any friends up in Teesside after that either because It it, it could have swung matters a little bit more. It will be impressive with that game, but yeah, it was it was a classic goal. classically funny. Not much to say about it or try and break down because it wasn't a, wasn't a classic. But actually, no, it was. It actually was.
1: It, was it definitely was a classic. Cornick <laughs> even admitted after the game that the Reading fans were shouting man on to the Islanders before he even put the ball down. So, what was going through his mind, I have no idea. But I, I just imagine the fear in your heart just when you see Cornick coming out the corner of your eye. Oh, oh it would have been magical. Um, this also did lead to plenty of comments on social media about um, Middlesbrough looking to sue Nyland after the game um, for how it's ruined Middlesbrough's playoff chances, but we'll leave that there. Um, but overall, this ended up being quite comfortable for Luton. Actually, they before the goal they missed some really really good chances, and in some ways you could say the one 0 victory actually flattered Reading a bit.
0: Yeah, it was it was a good performance, and that, I think that's the, the interesting stat that comes from Luton is they haven't lost back to back games this season. So the the ability of Nathan Jones to pick his team up after they after to lose, especially after the 7-0 defeat earlier on in the week. Um, and they still they were still creating chances, as you were saying. I know Luton have had this issue at times this season, or, or quite a few times this season, where they do struggle to convert chances regularly, which is probably why they aren't competing higher up the table. And that's saying something, considering they finished sixth. Um, but it's something that will need to, that that I say will need to be addressed. It's not something that can be addressed quickly, because if it's happening regularly, it's it's clearly an issue with <coughs> with personnel, but that's not a criticism. Um, but chances do come few and far between in the playoffs. It's something they will, they will need to they'll just need, they need to be more clinical and ruthless going into um, the next few games.
1: Yeah, I think this is the moment as well, Justin, where we've got to act, actually acknowledge how much of an achievement it is for Luton Town to be yeah. in the top six because it is such a remarkable achievement. Of course, they will want to go the full hog and actually win the playoffs, but. Even if they don't, there's got to be some reflection and say, wow, what what an outstanding achievement this is. Because Luton have got one of, if not the lowest wage budget in the division. This squad is made up of players who have either been brought on a free or for pennies, really, compared to other transfer fees in the Mm -hmm. championship or loan players as well. It's just amazing and when you consider as well that Luton 10 years ago were playing in the National League I remember going to Kenilworth Road and seeing Luton playing against Southport and now they've got a realistic chance of them being in the Premier League next season it's outstanding and that's all down to the hard work that Nathan Jones does on the training ground but also the work behind the scenes to recruit this group of players who just work together so well are just so much more talented than they look on a piece of paper it's Mm -hmm. A brilliant, brilliant project that they've got going there. And even if they don't go up this season, I fully expect them to go again next season because they've had this amazing progression where they've just gone, moved up a place in the English Pyramid. Apart from one season, I think it was, they've moved up every single time in the English Pyramid under Nathan Jones. And when you've got a manager doing that, it's remarkable in itself. So, yeah. One, it's just absolutely amazing what's going on at Luton. Um, we'll talk more about them in the uh, in the second half of the show, Justin. But one of the teams who missed out on the playoffs is Middlesbrough. They wouldn't have got there anyway because of results elsewhere, but they were thumped 4 1 away at Preston. And I could not believe how shocking Middlesbrough were here.
0: The defending in the first half really was, um, yeah, quite unacceptable. Um, I I would be very very disappointed if I was in that Middlesbrough team. Obviously, because obviously you missed out and the performance wasn't great. But yeah, the defending was was quite poor. I think it's the second goal and um, the own goal from from Dale Fry. The way Emil Reese Jacobson you know, managed to get in, you know, managed to get in between um, the two defenders, just literally goes through them like a like a hot knife through through butter, wasn't it? It was so so easy um, and quite disappointing. And the yeah, Preston just blew them out the, blew out the water in the first half. And you think after that um, Borough goal in the second half from Tavernier, you think, OK, maybe they can build on it. But again, defending, let them down. It was just a really poor performance, an uncharacteristic performance. One that I, I did not see coming at all.
1: Yeah, but it brings an, end, an underwhelming finish to the season for Middlesbrough, hasn't it? Because it's been kind of fizzling out for quite some time. And now I'm looking at them thinking, it's going to be a very <clears> interesting <throat> summer for them because if it goes wrong then I think next season will be pretty much the same as this one but if they get it right then I think they'll be challenging for the top two one of the reasons why I'm worried it might go wrong is because I'm not wholly convinced Wilder's going to stay of course he's been linked with the Burnley job for quite some time and even though those links have quietened down for some reason I'm getting more (laughs) and more worried that he might leave um because nothing seems to have been sorted out in that department. So I'm worried about that. Um, but the the recruitment this summer has got to be spot on. They need five or six new players in the summer. You've got this solid base of McNair, Fry, Crooks, Tavernier, Jones. These are players who are going to be really, really important for them next season. But they without a doubt need to bring in players in the other areas of the pitch because that's where they've really been let down this season um, in terms of their playoff push as a whole. But if they get it spot on, then 1 million percent Middlesbrough will be challenging for promotion next season because they've got, with Wilder at the helm, hopefully, they've got one of, if not the best manager in the championship. Mm-hmm. Maybe even a, a Premier League manager in the making again. Um so hopefully he stays. Hopefully they get the recruitment spot on because if they do, then yeah, there'll be a very dangerous side in
0: in the championship next season. Would you agree? Yeah, completely. I think Wilder was very bullish in his in his post match press conference um, after the defeat yesterday to Preston. Um, he acknowledged that they've got a lot of work to do recruitment wise. Um, he said on he said that they were going to have a lot of conversations with players on on Monday, um, uh, with regards to their future. So he's already got plans. In place, and I'm really intrigued as to how as to how that happens. But I think you've got to acknowledge the achievement of what they did this, this um, did this season. The club were going nowhere, and they had a good, really good uh, cup run as well. And he's, he's managed to get them on the verge of the playoffs. So I think you've got to acknowledge the achievement that Wilder's done as well. Um, disappointing, nonetheless, because they missed out. But it's really solid foundations. Spot
1: on. The other team who missed out on the top six is Millwall, although. It was always going to be a big ask for them, no matter what Justin Peach was saying not long ago. (laughs) Uh, They lost 1-0 to Bournemouth. And I did watch bits of this game, Justin. It didn't seem at any point like Millwall were aware that they had to go out and win this game because they did not seem to have any urgency going forwards at all.
0: I was thinking this. I was thinking this. It felt like they set up um, not to concede too many goals to Bournemouth. And considering Bournemouth did create a hat load of chances... um, you'd have just thought that Rowett may have gone okay well let's just throw everything at it I'd have put Jake Cooper up front for God's sake his goal record this season actually pretty decent as well isn't it um, I'd have tried absolutely everything to at least get a couple of early goals I don't know it, it was a bit of a strange performance and a strange, strange way to set a team up but maybe Rowett was acknowledging that I don't know, they had to win. It's, it's a bizarre one. I'd have just gone out on a high. It's really what it's a hard one to put your finger on. Um, I'm struggling to try and justify or defend Rowett. But, um, it's not a criticism, it's just a bit weird. Yeah, I,
1: I completely understand where you're coming from. Um, let's move on. There's We'll have a quick look at the other teams who are competing in the playoffs. Justin Forrest drew one all away at Hull. Um, of course, they suffered the heartbreak of missing out on automatic promotion to Bournemouth in midweek. I was wondering whether maybe an impact on morale with regards to that judging from this game inconclusive I think what would you say
0: yeah I think they'll just be resetting and going again Um, Steve Cooper much like Luton doesn't allow defeats to fester um, in his teams Um, so I think they'll just be resetting get, get bodies back from the physio room because that's something that's really hindered them that's something that worries me a little bit with Forest, but obviously we'll go into a little bit more detail um, but yeah I think this game was just a chance to reset semi-decent performance good way to send the, the, the regular season off and yeah they can they can go into the past with a clean slate I think
1: Meanwhile Huddersfield won 2-0 at home to Bristol City comfortable as it gets really not many teams have managed to keep a clean shoot against Bristol City this season that's one thing you can say about Bristol City because going forwards they've been brilliant but Huddersfield kept them at arm's length there
0: yeah, that's typical Huddersfield. It's, I mean, what do you expect with with Huddersfield? Keep teams at arm's length. Um, game plans are absolutely solid. Harry Toffolo, to give him next season. I'd, I'd, again, probably start him up front, but his goal record at the moment. It's ridiculous.
1: <laughs> yeah, the thing is as well, this was a rotated Huddersfield team. They had some players who will be featuring in the playoffs in a week's time, but by and large, this was their second string team. And they mm-hmm. still managed to keep out a full strength Bristol City side. So massive, well done to them for that. And they'll be heading into the playoffs full of confidence. Yeah. And then finally, just in from the final day, any meaningless results which caught your eye at all? Peterborough five 0 at home to Blackpool is one that stood out.
0: Yeah, definitely, Peterborough beating um, yeah Blackpool five 0 I think it almost. I mean, I know it's had the final day of the season, but it does show a little bit of the potential. Of that Peterborough team is a very good attacking team and they put five past a very good defensive team under Neil Critchley. Um granted, final day of the season, I understand that. And West Brom scoring four goals. Wow. That's uh yeah. that's good. That, that, yeah. I mean that, well, yeah, you know, that's something to go into next season with, isn't it? You look at the
1: number of chances they created in that game as well. It's like it's been the story throughout the season, hasn't it? Um yeah. in the first half of the season in particular, they created so many chances but could just not put them away. This was Basically, what they've been trying to do all season, creating, exactly. Exactly. shed loads of chances and actually putting them away. Um, of course, Barnsley, not the greatest opposition in the world, as we all know, but still impressive, isn't it?
0: No, definitely. You can only, I mean, you can, you can only beat what's in front of you. But it's something that's been chronic for West Brom this season. Is obviously, as you say, not putting chances away. They, they, they did that, and it, it does make you think. Okay, maybe, the, maybe there is something in this team after all. Maybe they can go into next season and think that's not squatting so many chances because they could they would have been a top six team if they were even half as clinical as they um, as, as they should have been.
1: Yeah, well, exactly. If they have more of this in next season, then they'll be challenging for promotion, won't they? Because we all know the squad of players there is yeah. good enough to be challenging for promotion. It's just been putting the ball in the back of the net, which has been the major issue across the course of the season. Um, having an informed Carlin and Grant across the course of the season will be Excellent, but you need more than just him, you need other players exactly. putting the ball in back in there as well. Yeah. Um, so hopefully that'll be strength uh, that'll be sorted out in the summer. Um, but we'll have to wait and see there. Justin, let's have a quick break. After that, we'll have a look ahead to the playoffs and then finish off with some of the news from the past few days in the championship. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. And the playoffs is here, ladies and gentlemen, my favourite time of the year. This is our Christmas, Justin. The drama, the intensity, the sheer entertainments. This is the peak of football, as far as I'm concerned. So Huddersfield have finished third, which means they'll play Luton on Friday. Forest have ended up fourth they face Sheffield United on Saturday. The second leg of Huddersfield-Luton will then be a week on Monday and the second leg of Forest v Sheffield United is the day after. The final is in three weeks' time, which seems much further away than usual, but nonetheless. <laughs> Justin, I don't know about you. I think this is the hardest to predict
0: playoffs we've had in a long time. I, I can't disagree. If you... If you look at all the teams defensively they're all very good defensively I know Luton obviously can see the seven goals against Fulham but that's an anomaly. Um yeah they are all very good defensive teams and usually you get one team who are run away attackers or run away you know, a team finishes third and about eight points ahead of the, the the chasing pack but not not this not on this occasion. Yeah Forest, Huddersfield, Sheffield United, Luton all very close together. All Relatively similar style of plays. Um, there are key differences, but they are they are uh, fairly similar. And yeah, as you say, it's, it's a very difficult one to to predict. It's a very difficult one to to um, try and separate the teams as well. Which it's, it's going to make it really interesting. I just hope we see a goal. To be honest with you, cause I'm I'm convinced that I think we'll see about one or two goals <laughs> throughout the whole whole of this um, playoff campaign. Yeah, you've got four teams who are very. <laughs> <laughs> good defensively aren't they but
1: usually there's a clear favorite for the playoffs or at least decide who the majority of people will say is the strongest i'm looking at this and saying forest are probably the favorites but not by much and often when the playoff fixtures are nailed down you get a decent idea of the most likely final at the very least but again so hard to call mm-hmm. they often say the playoffs is a lottery and this is as much of a lottery as ever as far as i'm concerned. Yeah. Um, I just said I reckon Forest are the favourites. Justin, do you agree?
0: I I disagree. I think Huddersfield probably slightly edge Forest. Um, I'm looking purely at ha- full squad. Um, Huddersfield uh, out of those four teams, Huddersfield are the only team in there that have a, almost a fully fit squad. Forest have injuries. Sheffield United have injuries. Luton have injuries. Um, I think that's the, the the key difference, or could be the key difference, but at the same time. <laughs> I mean, I, w- I wouldn't, I wouldn't um, count against Luton winning the playoffs. I, I, I also couldn't count against Sheffield United winning the playoffs or Forest or, Forrest, or even Huddersfield. Yeah, really hard to separate. But for me, I would have Huddersfield as, as the, the slightest of slight favourites.
1: The reason I would say Forest is because they have been the form team in the mm-hmm. Championship pretty much ever since Steve Cooper actually took over. Because if it wasn't for yeah. that first seven games under Chris Hewton, then Forrest would have got automatically promoted under under Cooper. Um, but they've been a runaway, a runaway train in the past 10 games, haven't they? And would have headed into this in complete and utter confidence. The only reason I'm slightly less stronger than being favourites is because of them missing out on promotion against Bournemouth. And I think that will have had a hit on morale. But without a doubt, I think Forrest are probably on paper the strongest side. I think they've got the best manager. And Steve Cooper has got experience with the players before. He's lost out in the semis, lost out in the final. The only next logical step in progression is to actually win the bloody thing. So that's why I think Forrest are the favourites for me. Um, here's an in- interesting question for you, Justin. Who do you want to win? the
0: playoffs <laughs> I'm unbiased I can't <laughs> I can't I can't say anyone look I I think the, the what Huddersfield or Luton could achieve with their budgets would be absolutely incredible um, I would just be completely taken aback Chino FC Huddersfield I'd you know I'd be such a fanboy of Corbran if he took Huddersfield up Nathan Jones as well the job that he's done Likewise with Nottingham Forest, yeah, I know Darby, I know Forest wants to say, Oh, you're a Derby fan, you can't possibly have that opinion of them. Um, but it it would be great to see the city ground in the Premier League. It would be good to see a club like Forest in the Premier League as well. Um and Sheffield United always had a soft spot for for the Blades, but um but they've had recent Premier League uh They've had time in the Premier League recently, so they probably to be the least favourites. But I can't, I can't possibly say any particular team because we are an unbiased podcast, right?
1: So there you have it. Justin Peach does not want Sheffield United to go up <laughs> categorically. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm going to be completely different to you. I'm not going to sit on the fence. I want Luton Town in the Premier League. <laughs> I want to see Kenilworth Road in the Premier League. I want to see the likes of Ronaldo, De Bruyne having to get changed in the changing rooms at Kenilworth Road. It will be. Why do absolutely to see them get magical. changed? That's not what I said, but you know what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) I want to see Kenilworth Road in the Premier League. And I just think it would just be magical for a team who are playing non-league football 10 years ago to be playing in the Premier League. I think it would just be absolutely brilliant for football as a whole as well, for a team who's done things differently. They haven't spent and splashed out so much money on different players to get to the Premier League they've done it the right way and I think that would be good for football if Luton got there but I think it would just be so good to have a club like Luton in the top flight battling it out and doing football their way as well Mm. Um, it would just be brilliant would they stay up? maybe not but at the same time I think it would just be a magical season for everyone Involved with Luton Town, so I'm making no bones about it. I want Luton Town <laughs> in the Premier League next season. Um, Justin, how are you feeling heading into this? Then are you? Um, I know we've been talking about favourites and what have you, but have you got a team in mind who you think will probably actually get, go on and win it?
0: I, I think you, you made the point of it's really hard to separate each of these teams. Um, Huddersfield, I think, game plan wise, are probably more, most suited to playing in the in the playoffs when you consider that they are a team that like to not sit back, but they are happy for opposition to have the ball. They're good at regrouping. They are good at um, turning possession over as well, but they will keep it quite solid, have have a very good record from set pieces as well, ridiculously good record from set pieces. So they're a team that I I would fancy. Um, And and likewise with Sheffield United, I think game plan-wise, Paul Hackingbottom, the way he can set his teams up, very, very good. I'd be interested to see how Forrest bounced back, obviously, after that defeat to Bournemouth. The way Scott Parker not outed them but was was very um, descriptive in how he overcame Forrest's strengths, i.e., the counter attacks. You know, that might make other managers step up and go, okay, we might try the same thing. Heckingbottom certainly might. Um, Heckingbottom will certainly have a plan for that, like he did with Fulham back in December. That was a really good game management um, from, from, from Sheffield United. So, yeah. In truth, it's it's very hard to call. I think Huddersfield are more suited at this point. Squad strength, um, squad depth, squad availability. Might just edge them uh, and game plan as well.
1: The thing that I always look for in a playoff winning side is who is the best defensively. Because I think there isn't really a common trend with playoff winning sides. It is essentially a lottery, uh, as the old saying goes. But I think the team who is the best at the back usually goes on to win it. And that's why I'm looking at Forest um, mm-hmm. because they have got the second-best offensive record. Only Bournemouth have done any better and they've only got one goal, fewer conceded this season. And with Steve Cooper as well, who's just a brilliant tactician at keeping it tight at the back, that's another reason why I'm edging towards Forest. So, yeah, I, I'm, look, I'm heading into this with expecting the unexpected, really, because I think anything can happen in this playoffs in particular. Um, Justin, now it's time for this. Yes, it's time for the news, so we'll start with the latest on Derby County. American businessman Chris Kirchner has been edging closer to completing a takeover of the club. His period of exclusivity ended on Saturday, meaning Derby could start talking again to other interested parties. I can just sense a certain owner of a sports shop and his ears pricking up at the idea of a last minute deal. But it looks like it is going to be Mr Kirchner who's taking over. The main issue that's been stopping things from being wrapped up is the stadium, which of course was sold to former owner Mel Morris. The deal to take over the club doesn't include Pride Park and the there's been various different options floated about. One is that the council help buy the stadium and then another option is that Derby ground share with another club. Stoke and Leicester have been mentioned. Uh, How about that, Justin? You're a Derby fan. Would you be happy having to travel to Leicester, for example, to watch your side?
0: You know I'm not very punctual, don't you? You moan about it quite often. Um, All the time. Yeah, and I often get to derby games around sort of five six minutes into the game um, I set off very late from my house and I'm only about four miles away from the ground so now imagine me having to travel 30 miles I, I ain't getting there before half time am I I don't like the idea but look if if it if it if, if it's a case of sticking it to Mel Morris then absolutely um, he's an absolute uh, weapon Um he should just walk away from a bad investment it was a bad investment from him um, and he's he's ultimately holding the club to ransom potentially because Kirchner's admitted that his deal um, it, it relies on him having the stadium in, in some capacity. Um, don't like the idea of ground sharing, but if it if it's to keep the club alive, then absolutely I, I, I'd take it in a heartbeat. It's not exactly how most Derby fans imagined the post Mel
1: Morris era to begin, but the reality is that the club is in such a mess that there's going to be some inevitable leftovers from it all. Whatever the case, though, this is just another despicable act from this guy who can't get much lower in the eyes of Derby fans at this point. People could say it's his property, he's got every right to try and make money out of it, but it's his fault in the first place that the club is in (laughs) the state it is. And if the man has any sense of morals, he'd just cut his losses now and let everyone else move on from this disastrous saga that has been Mel Morris's ownership of derby county he is supposedly a derby fan after all is is the key component of this whole thing if he actually was a derby fan and actually cared about the football club you'd have thought he'd do something to say sorry for this whole mess that he's caused but no he seems perfectly happy uprooting a whole football club and the fan base to a different city letting local businesses that rely on the club Mm -hmm. to die in the process it's absolutely disgraceful and as far as I'm concerned, as far as football football owners go, he is the lowest of the low. Um, speaking of takeovers, Justin, the takeover could be close at Birmingham. According to the Birmingham Mail, the price for the sale is understood to be in the region of £35 million. There's said to be two potential parties interested in taking over at the club, which, as far as we're concerned, we have been you know ringing the bell for a takeover to happen at Birmingham City for quite some time. This would be good news, wouldn't it?
0: Oh absolutely. Um uh, not only for Birmingham fans but for us as well. You considering we've been talking about a takeover at Derby for the last 2 years. This to happen in 2 weeks would be absolutely fantastic. Um but no in all seriousness this this would be absolutely brilliant. Um the the current ownership at Birmingham have had a leash on the club for so long. I've overspent ridiculously. Um the the grounds in disarray. You have no idea when that's going to reopen either. Um the 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 club needs needs new new ownership to give it just a little bit of life again, because that is, it's slowly slowly dying under the current ownership, which is incredibly sad to see. So yeah, if this gets sorted over the summer um, and, and plans put in place, doesn't need a lot of investment in the squad. It just needs it just needs a little bit of love. That's literally it, and a little bit of a plan to go forward. Um, because there's there's a strong base, really good, um, passionate supporters, uh, and that's the linchpin for any club.
1: Watford have been relegated back into the championship they'll join Norwich as teams coming down from the Premier League next season. Early thoughts on how they'll do next season, Justin?
0: I've been reading a lot about Watford fans and obviously they're all very upset with Roy Hodgson. Um they, they the club seem to be in a bit of a a bit of limbo off the field um, with the the, the Potzos and, and Scott Duxbury the technical sporting director. Um I would say that they, I mean they've got a very good squad. They've obviously got the the, the cushion of parachute payments as well. But I don't think, a bit like Norwich, I don't think they're in as a stronger position to bounce straight back up as they were the last time they came down.
1: I, um, I, I disagree with you. I think just just because. Of what we've seen with parachute payment teams over the past few years, I think Watford will probably just end up having a very similar season to the one that they had before when they came down. Um, I've seen that the likes of Saar and Dennis may be moving on. It's unlikely that they'll stay, but it will not surprise me if, again, they ended up just staying anyway, um, possibly due to a lack of interest from other clubs. Um, and if that happens, then they'll have two very good players in the Championship mm-hmm. again. But even if they don't stay, it's still going to be a very good squad. And as we've said, we're parachute payment teams throughout the past few seasons. They've got enough money to just buy a half a new squad anyway of very good Championship players. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at this Watford squad thinking they'll be challenging for promotion again next season. And I think that's pretty much going to be the same with the other three, the other two sides who come down. Uh, from the Premier League again next season as well. According to The Telegraph, VAR technology is said to be used in the Championship playoffs. It says the EFL deems too much is at stake. The response from the clubs involved has been overwhelmingly positive as well. I think it's a good idea, Justin.
0: I've been banging the drum for ages, haven't I? I, I'm so pro-VAR, it's ridiculous. Um, VAR isn't the problem. I think fans sort of get um, swept up in bad decisions that are made by officials rather than VAR actually working in. And this is absolutely big news because we, I mean, we saw with the Forest game uh, against Bournemouth, it's a big decision that goes against Forest. Luton against Blackpool is a big decision that goes against Luton. Could have been the difference between them finishing in, in and out of the, play, uh, the playoffs. And that decision for Forest could have been the difference between them finishing in in the top two and outside top two. So, yeah, it's... Um, It's absolutely massive because, as quite rightly said, there's a lot of money at stake. There's a a lot at stake for these individual clubs as well.
1: Yeah, and hopefully this will go some way to VAR being used permanently in the Championship because that's something I've been for for quite some time. Um, Even if it's VAR Lite, which was something that was mentioned not long ago, which is like a scaled-back version of VAR, um, I'd be for. Because it's all well and good as moaning about the Championship referees and the standard of officiating at this level but something's got to be done about it you can't just keep moaning about it and not want Mm -hmm. something to be done about it at the same time you you can't just yeah so something's got to be done Um, and I think VAR is one way of going about it anyway Birmingham boss Lee Boyer says his future is up to the club. There's been lots of speculation about whether he'll be still at St. Andrews next season. My opinion remains the same, Justin. I think Bowie should stay because i struggled to see them getting much better, but we'll leave that there for now. The futures of players at some clubs continue to be decided. There's been various players who have been saying, that's my last game for the club over the past 24 hours, Justin. But one that caught my eye in particular is Charlie Austin who's set to leave QPR when his contract expires this summer. Um, A bit of an underwhelming season, really, because when he was on loan for QPR the season before this, uh, he was quite good, and I thought he'd be a linchpin for them um, this season, but it's not really worked out. But I think he could be quite a dangerous player for another team at this level, Justin.
0: He would be a very good squad player for quite a few teams. Um, I do agree with you on that. I think his injury record this season I, I think again with his age might go against him a little bit but he's got a very good track record. Goal, His goal record's been great um, and yeah it's it's just been an underwhelming season for him but I don't think the way QPR plays hasn't suited any of their forwards really um, so I don't think it's all down to Charlie Austin's form but yeah I think he would be a good pick up for I'd say two thirds of the championship. The other notable
1: player to go from QPR is Don Ball, which some Rangers fans have been a bit annoyed about, but he could be another mm. handy player for some championship sides. Preston defender Paul Huntington is leaving after 10 years at the club. He's been a great servant for them, hasn't he? He hasn't yeah. really featured that much in recent times, but in that period he's been a really really good player for them and finally Jacob Brown has signed a new long-term deal at Stoke to keep him there until 2025 Phil Jagielka has also agreed a new contract which means he'll be staying at the championship next season despite being 40 years old (laughs) next season Justin how about that Um, can you name me the oldest players ever used in the championship off the top of your head
0: well, Kevin Poole is one of them. Are you going for outfield players or goalkeepers as
1: well? Um, just in general, I'm just looking now how many players have played in the Championship at the age of 40 or over. Um, Kevin Poole's the obvious one, isn't he? Because he's yeah. the oldest one. Um, when he was, I think, 42, 43, playing in goal for Derby. Um, yeah. Any others you can think of? I'm just looking now. Christ, there's been quite a few, actually. One, two, three, four, five, six, 11 players 11. at the age of 40 or more in a championship history. Most of them goalkeepers, it's got to be said. Um, but I'm just looking here. I think there are three outfield players. Can you name them?
0: No. Three outfield, over 40. Mm. God, this is, um, this is a pre-quiz quiz, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I'm going to struggle with that one. Um, I They're can't pretty remember. obvious jo- when you actually John Terry, one it. of them?
1: No, no, no. Terry no. wasn't. Um, the players you were looking for but Teddy Sheringham, Edgar Obviously, Davids. 42 years old. Edgar Davids isn't one of them, actually. Eh? No, no. That's sure not according to 50. the list I'm looking at. No, no not, not according to the list I'm looking at. Anyway, um, Teddy Sheringham was the oldest outfield player to ever play at Championship level. He was 42. Kevin Phillips, he was 40. Of course. A pretty obvious yeah. one when you think about it. And Chris Powell was the other one. He was yeah. 40 That's while playing weird. for Leicester. So there you go. The oldest player's... Ever to play outfield in the Championship, Phil Jagielka is about to join that exclusive group. (laughs) Right now it's time for the polls. This is the part of the show where we give the listeners three questions on Twitter because we want to get their thoughts on everything to do with the Championship. So the first question we asked was this. Who is the favourite for the playoffs this season? Forrest, Huddersfield, Luton and Sheffield United. Justin, you said? Uh, I said Huddersfield. I said Forest 53% of people said Forest 23% said Sheffield United only 14% said Huddersfield 10% said Luton. Next question was this will Bournemouth stay up next season yes or no. Uh
0: if Parker leaves yes if he doesn't no. <laughs> <laughs> the Parker agenda continues oh, on God. the second tier
1: podcast. Um have a guess how many people said no Justin. of people said Bournemouth won't stay up next season. Only 11% said yes.
0: Yeah, I have no idea what I'm talking about, apparently. When I said the same thing the other day.
1: Oh, right, you're saying what Bournemouth fans have been saying to you. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, everyone I've I've seen on... (laughs) Every person who's a championship expert, supposedly like us, has said they struggle to see Bournemouth staying up next season. But OK, we'll leave that there. And finally, what's the best thing to drink in the morning when you're hungover? Something sugary, coffee, milk or
0: water? Milk. <laughs> Definitely not milk. Um, it's, it's something fizzy. Uh, I don't know it's not on there, but apparently if you have a fizzy drink. We said something um, sugary, good. something sugary. Yeah but that could have been that could have been like a high concentrate cordial or something. That's oh, sugary. No that's what I, I I was
1: going to say soft drink but then I, I didn't know if that included energy drinks or not. But so, it's something sugary is what I usually go for. I like a a a Coca-Cola in the morning because it really quenches my thirst. Oh Justin, it's honestly when your mouth Ugh. is dry as anything have yourself a Coke. Oh my god it is amazing. But Phantom. I I'm not taking the disrespect you've said towards milky that milk is really nice. Are
0: you having your, a laugh?
1: Honestly, a nice glass of cold milk when you're hungover, mouth as dry as anything. Honestly, wonderful. You- um, unsurprisingly, the winner of this was water. 43% of people said that. 32% said something sugary. 21% of people said coffee. 4% of people said milk. Honestly, try milk, I'm telling you. Right Such now, it's time for this. Oh, wait, we haven't got a jingle for this. It's, the, uh, it's Diddy or Didn't He.
0: <laughs> this is the game
1: where I'm going to name for Justin 10 players with various connections to the championship and a club. All he's got to do is tell me whether they played for that club or not. That player has got to have made a senior appearance for them at least. Justin, you'll be delighted to know it's a Defender special this week for no reason whatsoever. Um, are you ready to take on Diddy or Didn't He? Yeah, let's go. It's going to ruin my day, but we'll do it. Yep, I'm looking forward to it. So the first one is this. Michael Keane and Blackburn. Did he or didn't he play for Blackburn? Yes, he did.
0: Blackburn learned a lot of players back when he was coming through. I think he did play for Blackburn.
1: You're absolutely right. 13 appearances in 2014. But you don't recall that at all, do you?
0: No, I don't. No idea. That was a guess. Great.
1: Wonderful. So you've got one out of one so far. I always say this. What would be a good score for you, do you think?
0: um considering uh topical i am a little bit hungover um and i'm a little bit tired i'd I'd take five or six today it's it's something that i don't want to let ruin the rest of my day in in the south so let's go okay okay
1: lovely number two (laughs) paul robinson the defender that is leads did
0: he or didn't he now he wasn't he wasn't a nice defender was he um And Leeds are coin Dirty Leeds, so it would make sense. But I don't recall him ever leaving the Midlands, so no. He played 10 games there in 2012.
1: (laughs) What? (laughs) 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 This is the beauty of this game. Um, Really highlights the gaps in Justin's (laughs) mind. Uh, So you've got one out of two so far. Liam Moore and Brentford is next. Did he or didn't he? Uh, Yeah, I do recall him playing for Brentford. Yeah, he had two spells on loan there. So you're absolutely right. Two out of three so far. Next one is Danny Bat and Sheffield United. Did he or
0: didn't he? He played for Sheffield Wednesday. Not. Oh no, I think he did. Oh, I don't know now. Mm, no, mm. I don't think he did. But I've, I could picture him in that kit that you know that one that had the Malta sponsor on it.
1: Mm. He made one Malt appearance
0: print. on loan there. Yeah, of course 10. he did. Of course he did. Only one appearance see, though. This is why it. Makes me so irate. <laughs>
1: so Two out of four for Justin Peach so far. The next one is this Scott Malone and Bournemouth. Did he or didn't he? I think he did. No, he you didn't. Sure. No, I don't think he did. Thirty two appearances on loan and then he moved there permanently in twenty twelve. He absolutely did. Oh two out of five for Justin Peach so far. Um it's worth mentioning, it's so far it's been he did for every single answer. I'm not sure it if you've really? noticed that. It has been, <laughs> yes. Um, next one is this, Sean Morrison and Huddersfield. Did he or didn't he?
0: You, you, you've done that on purpose. You've tried to get in my head a little bit. Um, Sean Morrison did play for Huddersfield, but I'm not having them tactics.
1: Oh, okay, no worries. Uh, he did. He had 19 appearances on loan in 2011-12. So, so far, you've got three out of six, Justin. Next up is Greg Halford and Birmingham. Did he or didn't he? He's played for like 40%
0: of EFL clubs. <laughs> he has played for an astonishing amount of clubs. Um, Who were the team, sorry? Birmingham. I I don't think he passed through the doors at St Andrews. Sure. Yeah, I'm sure. You're absolutely right. He didn't play for Birmingham, but he did play
1: for seemingly every other club in the world. Um, next up is Adam Smith and Reading.
0: Did he or didn't he? The, the beauty of these sort of types of players are they go on loan everywhere. Um, but you say Reading. Yes. I don't think he played. I don't think he had a loan spell at Reading. I think I'd be able to recall that.
1: You're absolutely right.
0: He didn't play
1: for Reading. So you've got five out of eight, which is decent at this stage. You've got two left, Justin George Friend and Wolves. Did he or didn't he? Yeah, he played for Wolves. There you go. Spent two years there, but only made seven appearances that completely passed me by. Mm. And finally, Justin, Ryan Bennett and Leicester. Did
0: he or didn't he? Yeah, he was. I don't think he, he was there during the Premier League win. But he was there during their Champions League run. I think he got a couple of appearances in the Champions League.
1: He made five appearances on loan in 2020. So only yeah. two years ago. <laughs> it wasn't, Again, yeah. completely passed me by as well. But Justin, you've ended up getting six out of ten there. And then initially it looked a bit questionable, but you ended up actually doing quite well.
0: Yeah, there was one point where I was visibly looking very stressed mm. I, and when I said something about being irate it it generally does um get on your tits this game it's it's not a nice one <laughs> it's it's my favorite game to play. I think,
1: just because i love to see justin's face where he, he completely forgets that paul robinson used to play for leeds uh, but there we go you got how many did i say you got there seven six. out of ten
0: six. Six, six out
1: of ten six yeah. out of ten good score i think considering uh, <laughs> considering so Yeah, yeah. So there we go, ladies and gentlemen. That's been Diddy or Dinty. And this has been the second tier podcast. And the championship season's been wrapped up, ladies and gentlemen. The only thing remaining is the playoffs. So this is our kind of schedule for the near future anyway. On Tuesday, we've got the second tier awards. We're going to have team of the season, manager of the season, player of the season, young player of the season. Me and Justin have already had conversations about it. We've already had a couple of scraps, but Mm -hmm. we will eventually, by Tuesday, have our team of the season sorted out at the very least Um, but you can look forward to the second tier awards on Tuesday then next Sunday you'll have our reaction to the first legs of the playoffs then we'll react to the second leg and look ahead to the final at some point after that we're also planning to do a team by team review of the season as well Um, and then also a look back at our league table predictions amongst other bits and pieces as well uh, for the next month so despite the season ending you have still got us for the time being at the very least so we look forward to continuing to chat to you guys uh, over the next few weeks but this has been the Second Tier Podcast we'll be back again on Tuesday for the Second Tier Awards I've been Brian Dilks I've been Justin Peach thank you for listening